Turn to Matthew chapter 25. I'm so glad that you joined us today as we end our series called uh, Breakthrough. We've talked about breakthrough faith, breakthrough family. Last week we talked about breakthrough fire. If you've missed any of those, I encourage you to go to iTunes and, and uh, catch up with us. Today we're going to talk about <clears throat> breakthrough fitness and finance. Uh, and so turn to Matthew 25, and there's a story there that I'll reference that you can just sort of read along as we're talking. In the last 75 years, our culture has undergone cosmic change. Nobody would uh, argue that. Nobody anywhere that I know of would argue that. No one would debate it, and the speed of change has happened so quickly uh, that it's hard to tell exactly how much has changed. One of the places that we see change as uh, among others, is in lifestyle and diet. 75 years ago, America was a, a, a nation of little towns. And even people who lived in urban cities tended to either have migrated from small towns or have smaller town values and lifestyle. And so the majority of the work that we did as a country was physical in nature, and we stayed in better shape because of it. We didn't have regular access to the type of food that we have now. People might have eaten... The kind of food we have access to on a daily basis, people might have eaten a few times a year. And now we're a nation of urban dwellers, commuters, tech-savvy, connected, electronic. Uh, a lot of our work is done sitting down somewhere, and often at the end of the day, our brains are aching and our backs aren't. Uh, and that obviously doesn't apply to everyone. But even if you work with your back, you still are called upon in our day and age to work with your mind more than any other time. And so it tends to break us down in a different way. So the food we used to have on special occasions, you can get anytime. And since food is faster and cheaper, it's also gotten less healthy. Now here's the key question. The key question this morning is, does God care about our health? Does He care about the healthiness and fitness of our of our a physical man, our temporary man, the external man, the, the house of our soul. Does he care about it? In all my early years of Christianity, I can't remember hearing anybody talk about whether God cared or not about how we treat our body or, 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 or what our re relationship in spirituality to it was. In Matthew 25, Jesus tells this parable about a man who gave some money to his servants. He gave one the equivalent of $5,000, one the equivalent of $2,000, and one the equivalent of $1,000. And this man gave his servants the money, he went away, and then he returned. So the principle of this parable and group, uh, uh, a few other parables in the New Testament that we see is that uh, Jesus told is that God gave you everything that you have, He's going to give it to you temporarily, He's going to come back, and when he comes back, he wants it back. That's, in a nutshell, what we see in the New Testament in some of Jesus' parables. And this is where we get the biblical concept of stewardship. Now let me give you a, a, a real simple way to understand the word stewardship. Stewardship basically just means having a right view of God and a right view of myself. In other words, I view God the right way, and in light of who God is, I view myself the right way. Now, I don't know about you, but I can remember some of the most stressful times in my family as a, a kid growing up 
was when we would borrow something from a neighbor. You know, you have this uh, memory. You borrow something. You borrow a lawnmower. You borrow something. And, you know, they bring it in, and it's so cool because I didn't grow up in a family where we bought a lot of new things or we got a lot of new things often. So when something new came into the house, it was an event, you know. And so we gather around, and you look at it, and I'm a little kid staring at it, and it's our, our neighbors lending it to us for some reason, which didn't happen often in my home because we didn't borrow nothing. My dad didn't want to borrow nothing. He didn't want to break nothing. He didn't want to pay for nothing. So we didn't, we didn't get anything from anybody. But you got that little moment, and, and, and as a little kid, I remember looking at it, and you, you have that, uh, can I touch it? And I can remember, however it happened, my dad said something like this, yes, but not without a lecture. And so you get the whole lecture on, if you break it, and if you touch it, and if it gets broken, and this is going to happen, and you go through the whole drama about that. Why? Because we have to give it back. That's why you have to understand. Because this doesn't belong to us, and we treat things that belong to other people different than we treat things that belong to us. Because we have to give them back. Now think about that. There's something inside that experience that's a good principle for us. Everything but your soul, you have to give back. Nothing else actually belongs to you permanently. So the question this morning is, do the scriptural principles of stewardship apply to our health? Now, if you've got a, something to write with, let me give you three thoughts. I'm going to give you two sermons this morning, so you've got to write fast. Here's the first one. Let me give you three reasons to invest in your health. Here's the first one. It's a joy to offer your whole self to God. It's a joy to offer your whole self to God. You and I get in trouble when we compartmentalize any part of our life and disconnect it from God. We get in trouble. We always do. When we say, Sunday morning belongs to God, but the rest of the week belongs to me. I'm a Christian, and I, you know, I love God, but my sex life belongs to me. I'm a Christian, but I spend my money the way I think is best. Any time that we take any area of our life out from under the umbrella of God's ownership, bad things happen. See, here's the teaching of Scripture. God has given us one life, and it is a whole life. He doesn't give us a life of parts and pieces. That's how we come to faith. We come to faith, we are, the Bible says we're dead. When we come to faith, we come alive. But when we come alive, we, we all start the journey the same way. We mistakenly believe that there is a spiritual part of our life that is unconnected from the other parts of our life. And we're sort of left on our own to work everything else out. But as we grow in Christ, as we grow in faith, we come to understand that the spiritual reality is permanent and eternal and stronger and, and more long-lasting and is the foundation for all of life. Psalm says, in Him we live and move and have our being. So there is nothing really disconnected in God's eyes. God's given us one life and only one life. And every part of it is connected. It is a whole life. And it's not meant to be parceled out. But Romans 12.1 says this. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, very interesting, listen to this, to offer your bodies. If God has no plan for your health or your body or your physical being, 
Why did he write this? I, I, I urge you in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Read it through that lens. Read it through that filter. That God actually does have a plan for your body. He actually does connect it to your spiritual life. He actually sees you as a whole person, not as divided up. God doesn't see the weak divided in Sunday and the other six days. Or 10% of your money and everything else. Or, or this part of your life. He doesn't disconnect anything like that. So how would we offer our bodies a living sacrifice? Well, there's a lot of ways. Living a pure life. Uh, paying attention to what you see. Not seeing the wrong things. Not saying the wrong things. But certainly it would have to apply to health as well. Here's the second thought. Why would you invest in your health? Well, it's good for you. 1 Timothy 4.8 says, there, uh, For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and life to come. Every time I've heard that verse quoted, it sounded more like this. For physical training has no value. That's not the point of this verse. The point of this verse is not that physical training has no value. The point of this verse is that spiritual training is more important than physical training. That's the point. But it's not to say that physical training has no value. There are countless studies now that have been done to confirm the benefits of exercise on the body. Increased oxygen levels, better blood flow, lower cholesterol, lower blood pressure. When you exercise, your body produces natural antidepressants and appetite suppressants and immune boosters. Proven science. Who would have thought science would have caught up with God? But it has. And, and when you put good food on top of that, it's good for you. Here's the third thought. It gives you, and this is the most important one that I want you to see. It gives you the energy to do what God has called you to do. Investing in your health is not about image, it's about energy. Now that's the thing that you need to understand. Look, there is a multi-billion dollar industry in America swirling around health and diet and nutrition and exercise and this workout video and that one and this new machine and that one and all of this. And it's all basically centered in image. But that's not what I'm saying to you today. It's not about image. It's about energy. Maintaining your body is a matter of managing the life energy we need to do what God's called us to do. The healthier you are, the better spouse you are, and parent you are, and employer you are, and employer you are, because you can think clear, and you have energy, and you have passion, and you're, and you're not uh, dragging yourself through the day. Is it possible that the breakthrough that you need will come from improving health? Maybe. The anti, is it possible the antidepressants that you need are already in your body given by God, but they've not been released? Now look, I'm not saying uh, we're going to become you know, nutrition Nazis, right? I, I don't want you walking over to me at a restaurant and telling me if um, what I'm eating is right or wrong. All right, And I'm not going to do that to you. Uh, we call a truce? Talking about nutrition you know, and health is like, like talking about politics. You know, everybody's got an opinion and we're all using a different set of facts and, you know, everybody get all riled up about it. That's not what I'm saying. My point is to say, don't make the mistake of disconnecting your health from your spiritual life. When's the last time you felt the Holy Spirit convict you about the way 
that you treated your body. About what you ate or how you, if you got enough sleep or if you got enough rest or if you were treating your body right. When's the last time you heard the Holy Spirit convict you about that? Now the question I just have for you is, is it possible He is and you're not hearing? Revelation says, let him who has an ear hear what the Spirit says to the church. For some of us, the breakthrough that we need will come through health. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, 20 says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? You're not your own. You were bought at a price. Look at this verse. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Now, I know the context of this chapter is on sexual purity and, and not polluting your body sexually. But could, could that principle also apply? Honor God with your body. Are there more ways to honor God with your body than sexual purity? Certainly it's an important way. But is there another way? And I'm just saying to you this morning that I think it does apply to health. Now, um, I posted this morning on my Facebook and Twitter account a link. Uh, the idea is what does the Bible say about health? If you want to get some more on that, you can go on my Facebook page and get it. All right. That's the first sermon. Are you ready for the second one? Say, say, just lie to me. I don't care. Say yes. Excellent. How do these stewardship principles then apply to finance? How do these one life principles apply to finance? Well, there's an easy way to figure it out by giving one simple test. It's the time test. Let me, let me give it to you. It's very simple. A hundred years from now or less, someone else will have all the money you have now. A hundred years from now or less, someone will own everything you now own. They'll drive your car if it's still around. Maybe it's under a tarp in a garage and they find it and they go sell it as an antique. They'll have your house if it's still standing. Everything that you own today, somebody else will have in a hundred years or less. So, the time test then says, if it's not yours forever, it never was really yours. In light of the time test, in light of eternity, then how should we manage what we have? Let me give you three thoughts about that. I'm going to give you three payments that every one of us need to make in life to have a breakthrough in our finance. Here's the first one. Pay God first. In Scripture, when someone began following Jesus, the life change they experienced was so powerful, they had a shift in priorities. Their priorities changed. In Luke 19, Jesus meets a wealthy man who was the chief tax collector. Now Jesus went to, his name was Zacchaeus, Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house to eat and to stay for a little while. And then, of course, all the people, the religious people, started gossiping about Jesus and said, yes, he's going to go stay at a sinner's house. He's going to go eat with sinners. And the reason is because tax collectors were absolutely hated. They were hated because they were seen as sellouts. Because what would happen is the Roman Empire ruled everything, and what they would do is find a Jewish person they could pay off, and they say, if you'll collect the taxes, we'll make you rich. So the sellouts would have to go uh, uh, put this heavy tax burden on their own people, but they would get rich off of it. And so they were hated, you can imagine, by the common person. 
But Zacchaeus has an encounter with Jesus. And here's how we know. Look at Luke 19, 8 and 9. But Zacchaeus stood up and said, this is after Jesus had been in his house, and they had lunch and they talked, and then Zacchaeus had an encounter with God. Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation's come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. Now, this man has clearly changed his heart, But from what I just read to you, how would you know that he had a change of heart? Because his willingness to change his priorities. By his reputation, he was a money-first guy. Money's more important than my own people. Money's more important than my neighbors, than my family, than my friends. Money's more important than anything. But we know Jesus realized he he met God because he had a shift in his price. Look, I don't know if you understand how huge this is. How many of you watch Shark Tank? Okay, we're, we're good. That would be like Mr. Wonderful starting to give money away. Can you imagine? This? You would look and you'd say, something has happened. And that's what happened in the story. Now, I want you to understand what's more astonishing than, G- than that was Jesus' response. Jesus considered this man's salvation experience to be genuine based on his willingness to change his priorities and give his money away for the glory of God. That was an earth-shattering change. Now, you may say, yeah, but that only happens in the Bible. Well, let me read a note to you that I got two weeks ago that was sent uh, with a gift to our church from a family. Pastor Jay, please accept this to complete the pledge we made back in 2014. We were unable to send it until now. It's very important that we keep our promise to the church and, more importantly, to God. Thank you for helping me find my way back to faith. I thought God had abandoned me a long time ago, but it turns out I abandoned Him. You and the church had helped me find my way back. Thank you. God bless you. And he included a a gift that he and his family had made a commitment to a while back and wasn't able to keep. His return back to God changed his priorities, and he said, I've got to keep God first in my life. So my question for you this morning is, has your following of Jesus caused your priorities to change? Do you see your life as one life? Not as this part, and that part, and that part, and that part, but do you see your life as one life? Do you realize everything's connected? Have you grown to the place in your spiritual life That you put God first in everything. Finance is one of those areas that your spiritual life, I've watched it. As a pastor, as a Christian, as a teenager coming to faith, I've watched it for decades. People who don't eventually grow to the point that they put God first in their finances will hit a spiritual wall and they will not go past it. It is a hindrance and it is a block. Because there's a disconnect there. Now look, this is the most difficult teaching that any church will ever do because it has to do with whole life discipleship. These are the deeper issues of Christianity that challenge us to bring our whole life to God. I once heard a pastor of a a large church, a mega church, say, "Uh, we don't talk about finances in our church. The way that we handle that 
is we model it through generosity. That's how we do it. Did you know that Jesus talked about money and possessions more than he talked about heaven and hell? Matter of fact, he talked more about money and possessions than he talked about any other single subject. It's a difficult subject to broach. People are sensitive about it. It has been abused and misused and manipulated. And so there's a chasm that, you, that is awkward at times. But, but my question to the churches who don't talk about it is, why would you want to have such an unchristlike ministry? Christ gave us the example in his own teaching ministry. How will people know how to grow and how will people find freedom from the bondage of materialism and finance and debt if we don't talk about it? I got a Facebook message last week that I found so interesting. Dear Pastor Jay, I wanted to take a minute of your time to let you know how Kingwood's helping God to change my life. I was in a terribly bad marriage for 17 years and got a divorce four years ago, losing everything I owned and even one of my girls to my ex-husband in divorce. I began a downhill spiral. I tried to commit suicide twice, and I drank myself almost to death. The hurt and devastation was too much to bear. Six months ago, I got a DUI, and my whole world changed. God reached down in my garage with His ever-merciful hand and rescued me out of the pit of misery I was in. I made new commitments. I started back to Kingwood. I started my Bible time and prayer every morning. I committed to tithe. My life has changed like never before. I have peace that passes all understanding. I'm so hungry for His Word. I can't wait to get to church on Sundays. I want to give more because He has tripled my business. I'm in awe of Him. I'm so in awe, Pastor Jay, that He rescued me. I was so desperate. He's even given me my daughter back and promised He will restore to me all the devil has stolen. Praise God. Is that neat? I just got that a week or two ago. Doesn't her story sound like Zacchaeus? When I met Jesus, my priorities changed. When I met Jesus, my whole life came up underneath his ownership and I realized it. The first payment we need to make is we need to pay God first. The second one is pay yourself. Proverbs 6.6 6 says, go to the ant, you sluggard, consider its ways and be wise. Proverbs 30, 24 and 25, four things on earth are small. This is Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, writing to his son. Four things on earth are small, yet they are extremely wise. Ants are creatures of little strength yet they store up their food in the summer. Ants are amazing creatures. It's estimated that if you were to take all the ants on earth and weigh them, they would weigh more than all the humans on earth. That's kind of creepy. You're like, ah, oh, they're taking over. Good thing they're wise. Do you remember the old fable in the Bible about, or, uh, not in the Bible, but the just old childhood fable about the ant and the grasshopper? You know, the ant stores up all summer and then while the grasshopper plays and then comes winter and the ant's cozy and warm and secure and has plenty of resources but then the grasshopper is out freezing and dying and the ant has enough for himself and even to share with him. Solomon says, 
The ant is extremely wise. Learn from it. Pay, pay yourself. Save. That's another way to say it. Save. You don't know what the future is. You don't know what's coming. But I'm telling you, there's a whole different way of life to live when you have something saved for those days. Here's the third payment. Pay off debt. A man jumped off a 20-story building, and the onlookers were terrified. As he went whistling by about the fifth floor, he turns and looks into a fifth-story apartment, and there's a wide-eyed spectator there, and he looks in and says, Everything's all right so far. That reminds me of a lot of people's attitude about debt. Everything's all right so far. But what happens to many debtors later is the equivalent of what happens to this man when he hits the pavement. Reality hits. Reality hits. Debt of all kinds in America is completely out of control. National debt, consumer debt. The average American spends a fourth of its spendable income on outstanding debts. Since 1945, consumer debt has multiplied 31 times. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen this. I want to put it on the screen. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the debt clock, the U.S. debt clock. Have you ever seen this? Prepare yourself. It will freak you out. That's half of it. If we had another screen that size below it, you can see the whole thing. This is the debt of America in real time uh, moving. Now, is there any way for you to scroll up on it? Can you do that? There, there's uh, some on this. Here we go. Yeah, yeah, keep going. Look at this. All right, stop right there. See total personal debt? I, anybody count that high? I don't even know what that is. Says that trillions, billions. Look, but do you see the little arrow beside it? It's, uh, it's up. Where did it go? It's up 115%. You can pull that up at uh, usdebtclock.org. usdebtclock.org. And you can see the mortgage debt, consumer debt, credit card debt, student loan debt. Up, 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 up. I'm just telling you, there's no, there's no scenario in the future that can possibly happen that you won't be better off if you're out of debt. There's not one. It's not like, well, well the whole country's going to blow up anyway, so what does it matter? You know, that's what the people thought. Jesus is coming back in 1988, and they ran their credit cards up, and it's 2015. I wonder what kind of interest they got on that. There is no scenario that won't help. 80% of divorced couples say that financial issues, 80% of divorced couples say financial issues played a primary role in ending their marriage. Proverbs 22.7 says, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. So a good financial plan looks something like this. Pay God 10%, pay yourself 10%, live on 80%. That's basically what, all I said this morning. Pay God first, pay yourself, pay your debt. 10, 10, 80. Sometimes we overcomplicate. And we think we need some, a big program or a big plan when most of this is simpler. I'm not saying it's easy to do. It's not easy to do. And you might have to grow toward it. But the closer you can get to those realities, the better off that you'll be. Proverbs 3, 1 and 2, and then verse 8, again, Solomon speaking, the wisest man. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. I have a pastor friend who um, this 
month last year, January of last year. He went away for two or three days and he was fasting and praying. And he was asking God to help him uh, in his church, in his life. It just, it just sort of open book. God, help me, tell me, teach me. And um, he says as he was praying there, he said, Man, the Holy Spirit said something to me I never thought I would hear. So the Holy Spirit said to me, Get your finances in order and get healthy. And that's what he said. I talked to him in about April, I think. Four months after that. And, and, and his life had begun to change. Well, just out of curiosity, I went and talked to him again. It was either November or December. I just said, man, tell me you're, you know, 10 months, 11 months into this journey that you feel the Holy Spirit directed in your life. Tell me how it's going. He said, man, I'll be honest, it's going incredible. He said, I lost 25 pounds. I feel better. I have more energy to do the things God wants me to do. I'm thinking clearer. I'm, I'm, I have more passion, and I could see that on him. And, and, uh, and he said, I've struggled trying to get all the financial things working, but things are coming. I talked to him a couple weeks after that, and, he, and he's a pastor of a small church. And he said, you know what's happened now? Uh, th this journey I've been on has been so fruitful that for the first time in my church's history, come January of 2015, I'm going to be able to quit, he's bivocational, my secular jobs, and I'm going to be able to come on full-time at the church because the church is going to be able to pay me now full-time and that breakthrough has come. Now, now look, here's all I'm trying to say to you. You can shake your head and you can say, I thought we were coming to church to talk about Jesus. And I'm just telling you, every subject comes underneath the umbrella of Jesus. And if it doesn't, that's where we get in trouble. So I'm saying to you, my friend, who, who to be honest with you, if he would ask me, what do you think I should do to help move the church forward? I would have never said that. And the reason I would have never said that is because I'm not the Holy Spirit. And I don't know everything. And I would have worked on something else. But the Holy Spirit was right. As He always is. And this friend of mine's breakthrough came when there came an internal life change inside him. He was stuck. And the breakthrough he needed that gave him the margin and the energy and the time and the passion and to move him forward came in those areas. I'm not saying that's true for everybody, but I'm pretty sure it's true for somebody. At least it was for him. What if the breakthrough that you needed in 2015 was more connected to your finances and your fitness than you think it is? So let's, let's just, as we sort of zero in on the end of the service now, let's talk about how can we do that. Good intentions have to turn into good actions or, or they die. Nothing happens, nothing changes. So... Look inside your bulletin. I want to show you something. And if you don't have, our ushers are, are getting ready now. If you don't have uh, one of these breakthrough tithing challenge cards, I want to ask our ushers if you'd get in place and uh, hand them out. Uh, the usher, the, just sort of, it's, it's fine. Just sort of flow freely through the room. If you'll just wave at one of our ushers as they pass you. If you don't have one, lift your hand and, and they'll bring it to you. I want to talk to you for, for a couple of minutes about 
what can you do about the things we talked about today? How can you just sort of wave as the ushers as they go by? If you don't have one in your bulletin, they'll hand it to you. You just hold that card in your hand. Let me talk to you for a minute. I did some research and found out. I asked Pastor Clark, our administrative pastor. Do you know the percentage of Christians who, who tithe in a church like ours? I will, go ahead and put it on the screen. Let me, I'll, I'll tell you what it is. 11% of Pentecostal Christians tithe. Pay God first. Have brought that part of their life up under the umbrella of a whole life in Jesus. Now, I wanted to know, where does our church stand in that, in that whole deal? Where are we at? So, uh, Clark did some research for us, our administrative pastor, and uh, it's very, very good news. We're, we're a lot higher than the average, which I'm very grateful for and I'm very proud of. Here's our number at Kingwood Church. 21% of Kingwood families tithe. Give yourself a big hand. Come on, I think, that's a, I think that's a great big deal. Way, 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 way above. Way above the average. On the other hand, there's a lot more that could be done. Let me, let me just explain it to you. Do you know that if every Kingwood family tithed, the entire Kingwood organization from A to Z would be out of debt in four years? Or, or, you've heard me say many times, Shelby County is the most unchurched county in the state of Alabama. And research tells us by far the best way to do evangelism in America today is to church plant. Church plants will bring people to Jesus multiplied times faster and more effectively than an established church ever will. If every Kingwood church family tithe, we could be debt-free in eight years and plant four churches in the same time frame in our, in our local area. If every Kingwood church family... Now, here's what I want to ask you. Is it possible that the breakthrough that you need is connected to Kingwood church? Yes. Is it possible that the breakthrough that Kingwood Church needs is connected to you? Yes. Why, why would Jesus do it any other way? Jesus has no desire for his church to suffer. He has no desire for your family to suffer. But he has interconnected the victory among each other so that we as a church depend on you so that you as a family depend on our church. We are intended by Jesus to walk in victory together, not separately. So here's what I want to ask you to consider. And I'm going to give you a few ways to apply all these. If, on the card it says, sign me up for the one year tithing challenge. If you're a family, if you're part of the 79% of the Kingwood families, of course, all of which aren't even here today, of course, not on any single day, that haven't grown to the point that, that, you, that you pay God first. I want to challenge you to do it, and I want to encourage you in a way you can do it. 
I want to invite you this year to go on a, a tithing challenge adventure and start giving to God 1% of your income next month. And in and the next month, give 2%. And the next, give 3 And the next, give 4 And the next, give 5 See, I, I, I shared this a few weeks ago. I started tithing when I was 16. And I've tithed all my life. So I don't know how to relate to someone who's accumulated bills and debt and responsibility and then you're just going to jerk away 10% all at once. I don't, I, don't, I don't know what I would do if I were you. So as I was praying about this, I felt like the Lord gave us an idea. How about we start with 1% a month and increase? You can end 2015 as a tither. You can close this year different than you started it. And so I want to encourage you to take the tithing challenge and all, you, all I'm asking you to do is just give me your name and email. We're not going to I'm not, we're not going to track what you're doing and we're not going to be communicating about your behind. or you, We're not going to do any of that. I just want to open up a dialogue channel with you so that I can encourage you. I'll just send you something occasionally. Hey, you know, March is the 2% month. Thank you for signing up for this. Let me give you a scripture or thought. I, that's all I want to do. So I want to encourage you today, if you want to take the tithing challenge, just give us your name, email, and then check the box. And you're not only going to have a breakthrough for your family, you're going to be part of a breakthrough for Kingwood Church that will accelerate our church's ability to do the work of Jesus in this city. So maybe you're here and you say, well, I don't know what I give, but we give something. Go back and check if you're given 4% or 5 or 6 I encourage you to, look, you can take the tithing challenge and be done by summer. Or done by August. You can, you can be done in a faster pace and accelerate that. So I want to ask you to do that. Here's the second thing, the box that's on here, is I, I already tithe, but I also want to help Kingwood Church eliminate debt. We started uh, back in the early 2000s with the Legacy Center, $2.8 million building. Now, put on the screen now where we are. From $2.8 million to 299000 we're, isn't that great? Yeah. We are, we are zeroing in. It is now time for us to be out of debt. We're feeling the same pressure many of you feel at home. We need a breakthrough there, and we need, we need to retire that debt and get it off the slate. We've been slugging away at it, and, and we want to do everything we can this year to make it go. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. Some of you have been given to that fund for years. Some of you just started. Man, if you're already tithing... Would you consider a sacrificial gift of $25 or $50 or $100 or something? Or maybe you're a different kind of giver and you need to just give one big gift and that's what you do. Would you consider that today? Here's what our intention is. Our intention this year is to give 100% of everything that comes in for legacy against that debt. That's what we want to do. Now, everything we want to do, we don't get to do. We had six air conditioners break in two weeks that cost $60,000. And so, some thing, sometimes things happen outside our control. We have to shift things from one place to another cover. I'm just saying to you, our, we've been giving about 50% of this fund a year. We want to accelerate that to 100 or as, get as close to it as possible. That's what we want to do. So if you can help us with that, in just a minute we're going to receive the offering, and I want to ask you to do that. Uh, as we're receiving the offering, if you're giving a regular offering today, ushers, do you have the giving envelopes? 
You do. Okay. If you need an offering envelope for the regular offering, would you just kind of wave at one of our ushers as they go by? And I'm going to continue to share with you um, about life groups. If you need an offering envelope, we'll take it up in just a minute. Worship team, would you come? We're, we're just about done now. If you, how many of you got one of these by email? You got one of the life group guides by email? Did you get one? Okay. We, if, if you didn't get one, we don't have your information. If you didn't get one, we don't have it. But we have these in the foyer. If you want to go to kingwoodchurch.com, you can uh, look this up now. All you got to do is navigate to the connect button, and then uh, there's a PDF file here. This is the brand new life group guide that we've made for you today. Now, here's what I want to simply do. How do you follow up in fitness? I've given you some ways to follow up in finance. How do you follow up in fitness? Let me give you this. We're going to receive the offering. We'll be done. We've got several new groups uh, coming this year that are uh, focused just on fitness. We have Walk to Fitness group. That's a ladies group that will be walking. Uh, Folk Ballet. That's a Hispanic group. Zumba. How many of you guys do Zumba? Zumba. We had 83 ladies the other night in Zumba. 83. Incredible. Uh, we have, let me see, I had this open gym basketball, happy campers. That sounds fun, doesn't it? They're happy at least. Oh, check this out. Mud run. How many of you heard of a mud run? We get, yeah, you're scared, aren't you? We got a mud run group coming. They're going to train all spring and they're going to go together and do a mud run. If you don't know what that is, you probably don't want to do it. But a, a mud run is like an obstacle course military boot camp style kill your cure your kind of situation. Kodak. Kodak. Kingwood Outdoor Adventure Club. How cool does that sound? That'll help encourage you uh, in fitness. What else do we have? Oh, a father and son group. I don't know how you get fathers and son together. It's not some kind of exercise. Exercise and faith. And then a disc golf group. So for those of you who may... So there's a lot of groups and a lot of new groups here. I want to encourage you, today is our spring life group launch. It's a great day for you to get connected. It's a great day for you to take a step. It's a great day for you to turn your New Year's resolution intention of walking in greater fitness, connect it with somebody else, and I guarantee you'll do it. There'll be encouragement and support there for you. And on, here's another financial part. Look, I've talked to you about paying God first. How can we help you pay yourself and pay your debt? We've got uh, one group here called Financial Peace University. How many of you heard of Dave Ramsey? That We're doing Dave Ramsey stuff. This group is going to be focused on Financial Peace University. And so that's a way that we can encourage you and we can help you this year to walk in greater financial freedom. If that's a group that you need, if that's a group that you're interested in, I guarantee you it will be high it'll be a high impact group it'll make a big difference in your life I have friends who became coaches uh, with Dave Ramsey and financial peace and a lot of friends who've gone through it I guarantee you it will help you in your financial life and so if you want to sign up for that group today that's open for people of all ages it's a book study time and place is there 7 p.m. room 205 it's going to week, uh, meet weekly to help give you the momentum and encouragement you need to move forward. So, all these things are available. And then in March, last thing, March 10th, we're going to have a health fair here at Kingwood Church on March 10th. There'll be free health screening, eye exam, blood pressure checks, 
uh, vein screening. There's going to be a team of physicians here teaching 20-minute workshops on the latest healthcare news, all free. If you're a healthcare worker, you can go and actually get uh, continuing ed credit for attending those 20-minute sessions. So we're doing everything we can this year to say, if you need a breakthrough, let us help help you. Let us encourage you. Let us raise your arms up. And let's see that breakthrough come together. So ushers, if you'd come as you prepare to receive the offering this morning, we're going to pray and receive the offering today. And I want to encourage you. If you can make that financial commitment today, man, you are going to not only see a breakthrough in your life, you're going you're to help a spiritual breakthrough happen in this county. Lord, I thank you today for the blessing of Jesus. I thank you today for the power of God. I thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit that we felt in this place. Lord, as we prepare to give to you, as we prepare this morning to put you first, as we prepare to honor you with our body, God, I pray that we would begin to see breakthroughs and continuing breakthroughs, just like my pastor friend. They would continue to flow through families, through this church, through this city. We love you, Lord. We honor you today. In Jesus' name we pray.